one time for my folks on the daily grind. Hey guys, this is Shannon and you're listening to The Youngblood Life. Through these difficult days and times, feeling freedom is hard to find. Let's go, let's go, let's go. What's going on everybody? Hello, hello. So here we are again. Again. Another podcast. One more. For Paris to laugh at us while we're recording it. Yep. That's uh, <laughs> well. It's kind of funny what she did. What did she do? You know the Disney thing where they make the mouse ears. The- <laughs> we should do one for the why. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this is a podcast that we I pre-recorded. So you and I are actually just doing the, the intro right now. But yep. the, the podcast was recorded of uh, my dad and I talking yep. in Alabama. Yep. So um, how's that Gatorade treating you? <laughs> click click click. Here's everything with these microphones, by the way. It's kind of cool. Anyway, so my dad and I, we record this, this uh, podcast. You weren't in the room. You, you walked through, I think, a couple times. I walked through a couple times, but I don't even know what you guys were talking about because I was mainly upstairs yeah. or in the kitchen with mom. Yeah, well, and you got some good stuff in the kitchen with mom because mom is a phenomenal cook. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my mom's always in the kitchen. I got some brownies. Yes, you did. My mom makes most amazing brownies. I don't know how she does it. The outside is always crispy. Inside crunchy, is perfect. And the inside is like... Gooey, gooey, yummy. That's the one thing we need to get. We need to get that recipe from my mom of brownies. Hello, Elizabeth. Good morning. How are you? What What'd she say? Can we go to Target? I have we, to go get a poster board anyway. We, as, as long as you put on longer pants and a longer shirt. Because it seems like these days, it, what? Oh, yes, that thing came down. Um, anyway, so my dad and I sat down and we talked. And, and, and while we were talking, we talked about um, basically... Uh, him and my mom and what led up to them getting married yeah. and how, how what happened with the whole story. It's about an hour and a half. So they get, pe- it's a long one, but that's okay. So just so you guys know, check it out. This is the long intro, not long intro, but this is, this is a long podcast of my dad and I talking about, you know, them and their life. It's actually pretty cool. Yep. Anyway, hope, hope you guys enjoy. What's going on everybody. So I kind of got, I got a cool little, uh, um, opportunity here. I'm actually sitting in my dad's library. I'll take a picture and put it up on the blog so you guys can check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with my dad and in his library, I've got him telling stories. It's actually kind of cool. Um, he, huh? Oh, okay. He wants me to tell you it's in Alabama. You can talk, Dad. It's okay. It's not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> but so here we are. We're getting, I'm sitting down with my dad. Um, his, it's kind of funny. So correct me on if I'm wrong, Dad, here. But so you are obviously you're a junior. And you don't like your name, I know that. But and <laughs> my dad doesn't like his name. So his my dad's name is uh, Earlton Barber Youngblood Jr. Now, what we found out later on, his dad, my grandfather, his uh, real his his name was actually Robert Earlton Barber Youngblood. Is that correct? That's correct. And so, but he dropped Robert. Dropped the only decent name he had. <laughs> and so and so now we have now and you became a junior so you, but you technically you're actually robert Elton barber but he if, the, if they had done it right but that's not on the, he didn't uh, that's not on his birth certificate though right he didn't have a birth certificate he was born at home back in 1910 in a rural area of north georgia right okay uh, that's haywood valley area right Haywood Valley. yeah uh, he wasn't born in a hospital and there was no birth certificate <laughs> So definitely some, some, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, but if you have, if just to give you an idea of what we're sitting in, uh, my, uh, my, this, uh, library, my dad's got, I, I don't know how many thousand books would you say are in here? There's 
Uh, I think I rough counted. There's about 2,800 volumes in this room. Just in this room. You have more books than this? Yeah. Where are those at? In my office, in my bedroom. <laughs> so if you're a book uh, buff, you're definitely, uh, you got to see this in this room. I'm actually a history buff. I love history, and uh, especially American history. Civil War and history. Especially Southern history, right. Yeah, so, or War of Northern Aggression, should I say. Uh, yeah, the, the war to destroy the South. <laughs> so anyway commonly known as the civil war the, the my goal was because we you know we, we traveled <laughs> a, what oh, two thousand miles from our, from our home in uh, salt lake city and we came here to uh, visit my pet my my parents and and it was a big surprise you guys had no idea we were coming no we were totally surprised when you walked in the door I, I, the video I, I did record your face and your face was like literally beyond shock the fact that we showed up and so here we are sitting it's what easter sunday and so now I've got you on the podcast, and I, I want to just have you tell some stories because if you ain't heard my dad tell stories, he's got some good stories. You know, he's got one of them that uh, well, I'll, I'll get it prefaced, but basically has to do with the monkey and the uh, actually the the um, flying saucer, flying saucers, and the Air Force got involved. Anyway, good. T- t- when was this, Dad? Tell us. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what year. I think it was about 1956 or 57. I'd have been 16 or 17 years old. And it happened in Atlanta, Georgia. I, I grew up in Decatur, Georgia, which is right. It's just right next to Atlanta. Yeah. And I had, it's pretty I had a cousin named Martha Jones. Mm-hmm. And Mar- Mar- Martha married a nice young man named Buddy Payne. Buddy Payne uh, loved a practical joke. See, I've, and I've told this story, and I know I've told this story probably wrong, but I've just been able to pull up, uh, you know, like uh, archives from like Atlanta Journal or the Atlanta Constitution. I think it was the Constitution back then. Um, they they combined. It was like well, the Atlanta Journal and the Atlanta Constitution. Um, they were two separate newspapers. They were two separate. One was uh, an afternoon paper. There's a journal. Constitution was a morning paper. Right. So. But I just I know I've told the story, but since you've pretty much lived, I'd rather have you tell the story and than uh, versus me trying to butcher the thing. Well, <clears throat> Buddy and a friend of his decided they was going to pull a joke, and they uh, got a little monkey somewhere, and they bumped the monkey in the head and killed the monkey, and then they shaved him real carefully. And so he'd look like a person. And they... They killed the monkey themselves? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and That doesn't fly these days with the... With they Peter, went but <laughs> to a place in downtown Atlanta late at night and uh, put the monkey in the street and they uh, flagged down motors and had somebody call the police and an ambulance <laughs> And they came out, and their story to the police were that they came over the hill. So it was 1953 is what it says online. Oh, was it that yeah. early? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I just... I'm, I'm, I would have been 13 years old or so. But you were living this thing. This is... You you, you, you lived part of this. You, you, cause oh, the, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was all going on. So uh, they claimed that they had come over the hill and saw a flying saucer in the street taking up most of the street and they slammed on their brakes and realized there was a little 
little Martian in the street and they hit him with the bumper of the car and knocked him down and he wasn't able to make it back to the flying saucer and the flying saucer just took off and and flew away so that's that's a picture of them i'll, I'll show this picture online but that a picture of them right what to which ones so which one is related to us well he's related by marriage by marriage right is it the, i think it's the one on the left on the left okay the dark-haired one okay so uh of course, it made the news. They sent reporters out. It was a big deal. You know, a flying saucer had landed right there in Atlanta, Georgia. And not only that, but one of the one of the uh, crew of the saucer got hit by a car, and we had him. <laughs> you know, he was dead, but we had the little Martian. You, you and, got this little thing that's it. <laughs> and... Uh, oh, yeah. It made the news in Atlanta. It made the news all over the United States. They had pictures of the well, the, and the, but they they had, the Air Force got involved. The I don't know who all probably the well FBI. well. So the, it's in the article that's online. There's a couple articles online. That, so they've got they actually have this monkey in uh, the uh, GBI uh, Crime Lab Museum in Atlanta. So the monkey's actually in a jar. Like I'll show this picture too. But monkey's in a jar. That they, but they they dyed them green, and uh, and and so in in the the, the article that's actually this one is on roadsideamerica.com, But this article said in 1953 that three young men were riding in a pickup truck on the on the night of July 7th, and um, they uh, they said they came across this flying saucer, right? And then they, they not and then they called the police. You know they 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 went to the home of of these this relative. And they they saw the, you know the the creature that they kept in the refrigerator because it had been dead, so they put it in the fridge. A, a good joke's a good joke. This was this one made. I mean back the, back in the in the fifties they didn't have the internet like we have. They don't. They, so an actual joke can be taken pretty serious. And the GBI got involved. Um, then you had the Air Force get involved. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, if we did something like this these days, we'd probably end up in jail. Well, they, they, uh, it was a big deal. A flying saucer had landed in Atlanta, Georgia. But that was around the same time that, that, that uh, there was like a lot of sightings, too. Yeah, it was uh, people. Th- this is something that was talked about a lot unidentified flying ob- objects. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, the, 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 uh, the fraud went on for, I guess days, but finally they figured out the animal was a monkey, and they identified where he came from. And and uh, Buddy and his friend, you know, they admitted what they had done. Finally, well, so they they said. I mean, from this article here, it says one guy later confessed that he did did it to win ten dollar bet. Yeah, that was that was the way Buddy lived. He was he was you know he drank a lot and he had he he, uh, he lived for fun and he loved jokes. Well, I mean that that ten dollar bet in and of course back in the nineteen fifties that ten dollars could go a long way. Uh-huh. I, mean, <laughs> I have a whole bag of groceries for two or three dollars, right? <laughs> a loaf of bread, what five cents or something like that, or yeah. probably. Uh, but if I'm I'm trying to find it, but there's a there was one thing I read. Um, 
they talked about that the uh, <clears throat> for the ten dollar bet it ended up, ended up costing them like I want to say it was fifty dollars total in fines <laughs> because they 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 uh, they took a blowtorch to the uh, the pavement to show that the that the spaceship flew away. Okay, they got fined for that. Did yeah, they? they got fined for the. So. I think all, in the end, all they ever got them for was cruelty to animals. I don't think that you know they didn't ever go to jail for it no. or anything. Well, nowadays they'd be in, they, the, the animal has more rights than we do, so that they've definitely done some weird thing, that some stuff to them. But for that, so <laughs> yeah, monkey Mars. But yeah, so I'll, all I'll do, I'll drop this link so people can f- read this actual article. But the fact that you were, you were alive and you you knew about this going on, that's yeah, well, I was in it, and and <clears throat> the, they uh, they were uh, it, it wasn't surprising that Buddy Payne did this, but we were quite amazed that it got such notoriety all over the country and the world. Uh, well, I mean, and, and the fact that now I'm bringing more light to it, so people are going to be going to look and uh, read more about this online too, and they're going to figure that out. So I'm going to bring more. <laughs> you didn't do it. No, I had no part in it. Actually, <laughs> you've been 13, so that's uh, <laughs> that's right. So, um, so one thing I wanted to do also with this, I want to get also I'm doing taking some these recordings. I want to save them and probably for personal history too. Um, so you and mom. You you stole my mom. I stole her from her daddy, yeah, from her family. <laughs> I ran off with her and I married her, and uh, it, it, things were different back then. Obviously, I mean that that was what nineteen fifty nine. You were what nineteen years old. That's right. You know, it, kids kids probably can't visualize it, but we didn't have. Uh, we had black and white TV, but it was new. We didn't have cell phones. Didn't oh. have interstate highways. That was all. Yeah, you had to go computer, personal computers. I don't think anybody thought about something like that. Well, yeah, no personal computer. You had a, like NASA or, or the government had computers, but it took up the size of the ha- this house. Yeah, my my phone's got more more computing power than the than the first computer ever made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you and mom. When when did you when did you and mom meet? How did you guys meet? Well, we met, we met at, actually at church. We met, and she was about. Uh, I think she was about thirteen. I'd have been about sixteen when I first met her. Okay, and we'd actually date, but I'd go sometimes to football games at Southwest High School where she went to school, and we'd sit together in the in the, in the stands, you know, and. And I'd go home from there. But later on, we started actually dating. And we'd be considered really young to get married nowadays. But uh, Yeah, well, I don't want my daughters. Uh, when she was 16 and I was 19, yeah, that's not we happening. got married. Uh, now, her father wasn't enthusiastic about that idea. He was not enthusiastic about it. He was not enthusiastic about <laughs> it. <laughs> I wouldn't be enthusiastic about it either, just so you know. I mean, not that <laughs> my, my, my daughter should not be getting married. Well, at, I, I hope at that, 16. I hope that none of my granddaughters get married at 16. So far, it, so it has not been easy. <laughs> it's been hard. Yeah, but so you guys married in 1959. But so when, uh, so let's, let's talk about how, how that all transpired. So how, how what, when, what happened that y'all decided to just 
get in the car and go get married? Well, we were going along. Things were kind of smooth. We'd got engaged. Okay. And my father-in-law decided, even though we'd been seeing each other for two or three years, he decided he's just going to break it off. So he just told her, "That's reasonable. you can't see him anymore. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. You can't see that young blood kid anymore. Well, she called me from school one day. She said her father just really fussed her terribly the night before and told her she was never going to see me and she needs to straighten up and fly right and, and uh, just forget it. And she said she decided she wasn't going back home and she wanted to know if I'd come get her. So I had worked all night. I worked for Kraft Foods Company. Right. And I and I stayed in a little apartment behind my parents' house with my brother. Right. And so I had just come home from work and got in bed and got to sleep. And she called and had telephone. We had a telephone there. And so she called me on the telephone in the apartment, woke me up, and told me all this. So I said, well, I'll come over and we'll talk. So I got dressed and went over to Southwest High School. and She's upset. I mean, that's, yeah. She was upset. Of course she was. And, and she was watching for me, and she came out to the car, and we sat in the car and talked. She said, I'm not going home. I said, well, where are you going to go? Well, I don't know. I think, well, I'll just get married. <laughs> I said, well, we've been planning it for two or three years. <laughs> so and we just talked about it and we decided we would so so essentially mom made the decision for you and you just went along with it that's what i heard well i <laughs> i think it was mutual mom's not here to defend herself on this one she just walked in the hallway <laughs> i think it was kind of mutual well obviously we didn't oh there she is <laughs> we, we didn't know how to get married though she, she's telling me to hush but so mom essentially what i just heard was that you told dad that that you guys were getting married <laughs> the look he he said it was mutual by the way he said that y'all y'all both agreed <laughs> she's shaking her head <laughs> love you mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so so we, we decided we was gonna get married we didn't know how though we hadn't really planned it in advance so I mean, did you have any like i guess you had some money saved up i mean you, you've been saving oh money. i had you know a couple of hundred dollars and she did maybe N- nothing major i mean it's not like it, it, this obviously was not planned and not something that you just said hey let's you know let's uh i'm wait till i got 10 grand or whatever of course ten thousand dollars back then would have been a whole lot of money that's uh oh yeah my, my dad built his house nice decent house in uh decatur it cost him thirty six hundred dollars oh my gosh that was for materials and labor. Now, so, you know, so you know, we had a couple hundred dollars each. I don't know what that would be like today. Well, so how much would it cost to, to fill up a gas tank? Well, gasoline was, I think, twenty nine point nine cents a gallon. Okay, so twenty, so thirty cents a gallon. Yeah, twenty gallons or eight, fifteen gallons yeah. at thirty cents. Yeah, but those cars did not get that good of fuel mileage. It's not like cars. It's comparable to today, or no? Uh, 15, 18 oh, miles ago. So it's basically what it was like my car driving out here. I got 19. Well, they, they, were, they did at okay. least that, yeah. Okay. I had a 53 Studebaker. So there you are. Y'all uh, y'all decided you're just going to get married. You get. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> we uh, didn't know how to get married, but I had a friend I was working with, and he had recently got married to his wife, and so... I went to find him. He lived near Georgia Tech campus, 
I worked with him at Kraft Foods, and we found him, and he didn't give us useful information. <laughs> okay. So so we went over and picked up my cousin, Bobby Jones. That's Martha's brother. Okay. And uh, B- Bobby Jones, he had recently been discharged from the Navy. Okay. And uh, he suggested South Carolina. He said, you know, I know people go to South Carolina to get married. So we took off to South Carolina. Okay. Which was, that's, you know, maybe 100 miles away. That's like the opposite direction that you ended up at. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, we went to South Carolina, went to courthouse, a couple of courthouses. They couldn't help us. They said, well, we can get married, but you have to get your blood test, and then you have to wait three days, and then you can get married. Yeah, that's they, they, was they don't do the blood test stuff anymore. I know. This was nineteen fifty. No, not, well, I know when uh, when Shannon and I got married, I, we had to get blood tested. That was what in uh, two thousand one. So, that, but they 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 don't do that anymore. You just go get married. Okay, so you had to get all that done, but that then you had to wait two three days. So that didn't work for you. No, we didn't want to wait three days. We'll get married. <laughs> you're already. She didn't want to go back home. You're, you're already. Well, yeah. I mean, because go back home, it would be a worse situation in reality at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so um, uh, Gramps, uh, you know, uh, she had one sister, no brothers, right? And her parents uh, both worked, and 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 she did a lot of the house. She kept the house clean, and she did cooking, and she did a lot of work at home, right? So uh, she didn't want to go home, and, and and she felt like she'd done everything her dad wanted her to do, and he was being unreasonable about this. Parents can be unreasonable sometimes. So we went to South Carolina, couldn't find anybody to marry. So I was getting really tired because, you know, I hadn't had any sleep. And it was going to be time for me to go back to work that night. Right. And uh, so we decided we'd just go on down to Augusta where my uh, brother was in medical school. Okay. In Augusta, Georgia. So we put Bobby out on the highway <laughs> to hitchhike home. <laughs> okay and we drove on down to augusta so we went to augusta and uh went to bobby's house and he wasn't there he was at school i think and his wife was there i had three or four children and i laid down on the sofa and went to sleep okay so anna had to go get my brother my sister-in-law had to go get my brother so she left us there with a couple of kids and uh baby said well she was gone and the telephone rings and i don't think i even heard it but uh and but your mom came over and shook me and woke me up on the sofa she said that was dad her father had figured out where we were he was pretty fast he, he had called a lot of people probably but he still. had called a lot of people he knew that i had a brother in augusta he figured maybe that we went off there she didn't come home from school right and see now it's like six o'clock p.m it's it's been a day and he's looking for her yeah it's been a, same oh, day oh same day same okay so she's in shock her father doesn't found us and uh he said we, she said we got to get out of here he'll probably send the cops over here <laughs> somebody's going to jail so i set up woke myself up i remembered that the 
little lady next door to my brother had done some babysitting for him. So I went next door and gave her, I think, a dollar, which was a lot of money. Right. Asked her to come over and babysit till my sister-in-law got back home, which probably wouldn't be over 30 minutes. But we had to get out of there. Right. So we got in the car, and we backed out, and we pulled down the street, a few houses, and my brother came around the corner and pulled down there, and we stopped and talked to each other out through our windows. You know, we opened my window, he opened his we talked. And he's, uh, he said, where are you going? I said, I don't know, maybe back to Atlanta. He said, well, I think it'd be a good idea. Your parents would probably like to be at your wedding. That's what he told me. Right. And so I looked back down the street, and here's the police car coming, you know, turned on the side, right where he had come in from on the other street, turned on the street. And I'm thinking, okay. And I said, I'll see you later, Bobby. And I pulled off. And, uh. Before I got to the corner and turned, I saw that Bobby turned into his driveway and the police car pulled right in behind him. So <laughs> it, that's what, you know, Harley, my father-in-law, he had actually called the police there in Augusta and said, my daughter's over at such and such address uh, uh, and she's run away. Would you help me? So we took off running and we drove on back roads and we didn't get on the main highways. We're in interstates, but there's U.S. highways, yeah, US highways. state highways. And we got out of Georgia near Columbus, Georgia, which is right next right. to Phoenix City, Alabama. Right. And we decided <clears throat> that we would just go to Phoenix, Arizona, because that's where Martha and Buddy and uh, my other cousin Catherine and her husband, David Yarn. The Yarns, yeah had moved to recently to Phoenix, Arizona. Well, that's 1,800 miles away. That's the other side of the country, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so we drove all that night. Next day, I don't remember how long it was. Well, I mean, that, you- that darn Studebaker had a, had a armrest right in the middle of the back seat. It only seat uh, four people so in there. So there was no laying down in the back of the car. Uh, so I had to sit over when I when I drove. I drove when she drove. I'd sit in the passenger seat in the front, sitting up. The the, the seats did not recline, and then lean my head over against the window and <laughs> sleep like that. So it was miserable. Anyway, here we go uh, through Alabama, through Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas. So. The, how how fast would you would your car go? It's not like modern. Oh, cars. I don't know. But the speed you, limits were like sixty. Yeah. So like right now, we we when we drove here to see you guys, you know, like the, the speed limits in the most of the states were seventy and seventy five. And actually, there was uh, in Utah and uh, was it Colorado. I, I was able to do eighty miles an hour. That's the speed limit, which yeah. mean, which means I was doing nine over because I'll, I'll speed a little bit. You couldn't do that back then. Oh no, I think speed limits were about sixty. I don't remember how fast I drove. I don't think I didn't drive real, real fast. But even then, I mean, even with with lower speed limits, we're talking to get to Arizona. It's going to take two to three days. It take three days minimum, I would say. I think it'd take about thirty hours of driving. Okay, because I know for us it was the total for us, and we drove seventeen the first day, and then we did. Of course, we had a couple of detours. We did. 
and 12 the next day. We didn't take any detours. We didn't stop at any motels. We just drove to Arizona. So uh, we just take turns in the driver's seat. So you're driving to Arizona at this point. You're, Yeah. Okay. So we get actually into Arizona, and uh, I think between Tucson and Phoenix, and I'm sleeping at this point over on the passenger side. And I can remember in my dream there was a siren. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and somebody was shaking me. <laughs> well, it was my, my, your mom shaking me and telling me to wake up, wake up. There's police are behind us. And and she's still moving, and the police car is behind us with siren and with lights on. And she says it stopped. <laughs> Stay sixteen years old. She's scared. Yeah. Well, with the, with the fact that the cops were uh, were um, chasing you already, I thought she, you know, in her mind, oh gosh, Dad's done found us again. So uh, I said, "Well, stop, stop." So she stopped, and I get out and walked around to the driver's side, which was okay then. This was nineteen fifty nine. It wasn't. 2021 now they would have you dragged on the ground <laughs> say to stop resisting yeah you don't get out of the car now you no, wait yeah. and do what the policeman says you, you, yeah <laughs> so he was asking my wife for her driver's license she gave him her driver's license and she, he looks at it and he says and it says sandra thompson so he turns to me and he says uh mr thompson <laughs> And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so all of a sudden you became uh, not going to argue your father-in-law. Don't make an issue. Yeah, right. And uh, he said, well, he said, I noticed you have a Georgia license plate. I don't know what the law is in Georgia, but in uh, in uh, Arizona, if you if a police car comes behind you and turns your siren and lights on, you pull over and stop. And I said, well, that's the law in Georgia, too. She's nervous. Right. And I was waiting for him to say, well, you guys are both under arrest. You're under arrest for kidnapping and so forth and so forth. But he didn't. He said, the reason I stopped you was because you have a taillight burned out. (laughs) I've never been so relieved. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't know that you were that you were wanted in the state of Georgia currently. No, he just figured we were a couple, and he didn't ask for my license, so he assumed I was Mr. Thompson and she was Mrs. Thompson. Right. And uh, he gave us a, a warning ticket or some little piece of paper and said, look, when you get it fixed, have the people who fix it sign it here, show who they are, and just drop it in the mail. So that's all you got to do. Which is weird because they don't make you, if you have burnout tail like now, they just say get it fixed and uh, they'll they'll give you a warning or a citation either way and then they'll let you go. There is no having someone be responsible for it. That's like, I kind of wish it was better that way because then you say, here, get it done or there will be a fine coming. That would, that, uh, that That's kind of a cool way to do it. All right, so, so you got pulled over. Were you wide awake after that? Very much. <laughs> so we, uh, <clears throat> uh, this was, uh, I think this was late night, early morning. Okay. So we made it to Phoenix. Well, uh, didn't know. I calculated the time back in Atlanta. 
because I didn't know where my cousins lived in Phoenix. Right. So I had to talk to Bobby to find out. So I waited till my aunt would have gone to work around 8 o'clock, 7, 30, o'clock. And then I called my cousin Bobby and uh, to find out the address of David and Catherine and Martha and Buddy. And uh, I called. And he said, and I told, he said, hello. I said, hey, buddy. I mean, hey, Bobby. Uh, uh, and he talked to her. He said, where are you? And I said, Phoenix, Arizona. He said, uh, you need to stay there. <laughs> Things are jumping here. <laughs> so obviously people have been t- talking to him about what's going on. He knew everything. Oh, they've been interrogating him, and and he didn't he didn't give us up. He, he didn't did, he didn't know where we were anyway. Okay, and uh, uh, so uh, <laughs> I said okay, and uh, he gave us their address. So uh, we worked our way over to that address and told them what was going on. They took us in. Okay, and they treated us very nice, and we got to stay with them for a few days, and and. Uh, they knew how we could get married. Okay. Uh, the law, uh, there was a little uh, loophole, I guess you could call it. You uh, had to wait three days to get married in Arizona. Had to wait three days to get married in California and probably all the other 48 states. Right. states. Uh, but if you got your marriage license in Arizona, you cross over the, the state line into California. And they They'll just marry do, the, do the service right there and, and do the marriage right there. So you didn't. So you but you got your license in Arizona, and then you just cross the state line into California. Yeah, same day. In the courthouse, and they would just do it. Yeah, we uh, there was a little place called Winter, a little town called Winterhaven in yep. Southern California. I know it. Which I've driven through through it, and it was near the state line. Yep. So uh, we. Uh, Next morning, you know, we stayed with them, and uh, uh, now it, the age problem was a problem. So, so it could, yeah, driver's licenses were just on a little card then, right? And written, written in in longhand, it was ink. Yeah, it's not like the, the hard plastic copies that you have now. Nothing like this. So, Catherine gave us her license. We used the eradicator on her name. And on the birth date, and changed it, and made uh, made your mom uh, 19, 18, 18. 18 years old legal. Yep. So I was I was nineteen, and suddenly she was eighteen, and made it her license, put her right name in on it. So she had a driver's license. <laughs> she had two driver's <laughs> licenses, a real one in her pocket, so, so showing you, she's sixteen, and this fake one showing she's eighteen. So you defaced government uh, document, so you can get married. There, there, there! You, I can think of multiple laws that were broken here. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, a, so off we went to Winter Haven, right? And we got into Winter Haven. There were uh, neon signs, weddings here, weddings here. You right. know, that was a little wedding town. Apparently, there was people there making a bunch of money off off the little loophole. You know, get your license in Arizona, come over here and get married in an hour. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we found one and went in, and uh, 
guy looks at the, we showed him our ID. I showed him my license and, and she showed him her fake license. He didn't question her license at all, but he just, hard for him to believe i was really 18 years old <laughs> oh yeah she she looks 18 but you sir you, yours is fake i was 19 he thought i was 16 <laughs> <laughs> anyway he finally went for it because they wanted the money and i think it cost uh 25 dollars or something so, okay this, he was a baptist minister okay so he said all right and uh I said, what kind of uh, cer- ceremony would you like? A uh, short version, long version? We said, short version, short version. <laughs> you, you know, that's basically similar to what when Shannon and I eloped, right? Of course, we we, uh, we had marriage license, all that done. And that, and then we uh, we went to, uh, we didn't have to wait three days. When we went to Somerville, Georgia, and we eloped. Yeah, the, the Tuga County Courthouse. County Courthouse right there in Somerville. And walked in, asked uh, somebody if they knew who could marry us. And lady across the in across the hall says, "The judge, I think he still, I think he slept there last night. He'll probably do it. Go knock on his door." So we go knock on his door, and he's drunk. I mean, <laughs> he, drunk. St- he obviously he had a bad night with his wife, and so he's drunk. He says, "Come on in," and he's you know he he, he smelled of booze and and uh, and uh, beer. And then uh, we're sitting there talking. He says, "So," and he looks at me and Shannon says, "So you want to get married, huh?" And we're like, yes, sir. He says, and he said, same thing. You want the short version or long version? And we're like, legal, which obviously nowadays, honestly, to make it legal, they just need, he just needs to sign his name. That's all a marriage is. There doesn't have to be any words. Yeah, words are irrelevant. <laughs> but, but he looked at us and he, he, there was a shotgun. Good night, buddy. Love you too. Um, there, there's a there's a there's a shotgun in the corner, and you know. <laughs> He's a, he looks over at the at us and he says, "Oh, he goes, it's a shotgun wedding, ain't it?" I'm like, "No, sir, it is not a shotgun wedding." He goes, "Well, I got my shotgun over there." I'm like, yes, sir, it's a good one too. And uh, so, I mean, his shirt's all untucked. He slept in his office, and so he just signed the documents and said, "Do you love her?" I said, "Yes, sir." He goes, "Do do you love him?" She says, "Yes, sir." And he's all right. You're married, and that was it. So yeah. The, the, <laughs> Short versions are always better. Anyway, so you, you guys are married. You're well, there was has to be a witness, and uh, there was an old guy on the back row. It's a little bit of chapels. What it was, I guess, maybe it would have seat maybe thirty people. Okay, so there was an old guy asleep in the back on the back row. <laughs> he was just there to sign his name, <laughs> and he he had been drinking. He was. Drunk, so I was about to say they gave they gave him a bottle of liquor just to keep him around. And he just signs his name. That's all he gets paid. <laughs> That's exactly the situation. <laughs> yeah. So it had us a witness. It was all legal. Yeah. So it, it was all legal for the fact that, but uh, except for the fact that my mom was not 18 years old. That's right. So, so we go back out. We got our little certificate. And we go out to the car and we get back in the car and head back to Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, uh, I could call the Mojave Desert. You have to cross yeah. the real yeah. hot desert over yeah. there, and it was the daytime. And and we went, took that trail up, stopped at a 
root beer stand. Got some root beer on the way back. You're, you are. We're uh, counting our pennies and nickels and dimes because you're, uh, you're very much a romantic guy, aren't you? That <laughs> here's a root beer. We just got married. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the thing is, by this time you you you're pay, you you're paid for gas. You drove to South Carolina. Drove back through Georgia. You drove from Georgia all the way to Arizona, Arizona into California, which isn't where you were, which not that far. Anyway, you've got to be running low on cash. Yeah, it was going down. Okay. So I uh, <clears throat> went back to Phoenix, found, I think, a motel's called a, a, a Pelican Motel or something. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember anymore. Poor halfway decent motel. That's where I spent the first night. Most likely not in existence anymore. Huh? Most likely that motel does not exist anymore. Probably not. So, so you, there you are. You're newlyweds. And then all of a sudden you're in... What What was the next move? I mean, really, you're married. Well, that's, that's where... Uh, that would be where your oldest brother was... was I get that. Initiated. I, I understand. I, I, <laughs> and... Uh, well, then we found the next day we went uh, back to uh, Buddy and Martha's and David and Catherine's, and and told them we need a, a have a have an apartment. You know, we need a place to live, and they let us stay with them for several days. And we found a little furnished duplex. It was two rooms. Okay. It was totally furnished. I mean, it had the sheets, the silverware, oh, so you, the plates. <laughs> it, it was like a hotel that has everything in it, basically. It, yeah, like, it was a, It was not a fancy at all. Right. It was old, but it had everything we needed. Okay. And and uh, David hired me to work at the grocery store with him, and I was in charge of produce okay. department at the grocery store. So I had a job immediately and uh, had a wife. And uh, lived in a new state. <laughs> so you're, you're, you, did you quit your craft food job, or you just didn't show back I, up? I mean, well, I've, I don't know what, how they worked it out. Well, but my father was a supervisor there, and I, they, they didn't really fire me, but uh, they knew I wasn't coming back. <laughs> no, that's no, that's not true. Okay. Well, uh, let me think about that. I, I worked for them later, so they didn't get rid of me. So, they, if anything, they put you on like. Marriage get you you get you went you went off for a honeymoon. <laughs> they, they, that's I, things were different back then. Nowadays you'd have to justify everything. I mean that that's you know I got to be off for these days for this reason. Blah 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 blah. Back well, then, they'd have a union yeah. there and anything all that. It wasn't real formal. Okay. Uh, so you're working at the at the uh, um, the grocery new, store. new way new way market new way market. Okay. You're Phoenix working. Arizona 1959. All right. You what? You got a wife? You got an apartment? So I write a, a letter. Let's see. I write a letter. Write two letters. Okay. I write one to my parents, and one to my friend David Peterson, who lived in Decatur. Okay. And <clears throat> I write David, and I say, David, uh, take this other letter and drop it in the mail, please. It's going to my parents. And uh, it was already addressed to my parents. The envelope was inside the other envelopes. So. Right. So he did it. He dropped, and the reason I did that was because uh, the postmark would show where the letter was mailed, right? And you're, I didn't want the postmark to be Phoenix, Arizona. You're, you're, I wanted the postmark to be Decatur, Georgia, right? And it said, "Look, don't worry about us. We're okay. We got married, uh, and uh, we'll be in touch later." Okay. So my parents would be relieved. Well, I found out that they was really 
worried, upset, found this out later, of course, which right. parents would be. Uh, didn't hear from us for four or five days, and or probably a week by then. Okay. And uh, so you're doing the responsible thing and making sure people don't, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you're doing what's right for your family so they know no one died. Know that, that, there, yeah, there, you yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And uh, so we stayed in the Phoenix uh, a few weeks. Anyway, about a couple of weeks passed, and your mom shows up at the grocery store and says, we got a problem. My parents are here. <laughs> so, so this was Dorothy and Harley sitting at your doorstep. Yeah, they were. They came to the apartment where we live. Were they in the house when you got back? When you, I guess you left the. Uh, I, I, yeah, I told boss I got to go home. So we, I went home, and uh, they were there. And uh, <clears throat> how were the conversations there? It was tense. I can only imagine it would be a little bit. Uh, uh, I told my father-in-law. I, I was. I was kind of angry. I, I told my father-in-law. I said, "Let me talk to you privately." And we went outside. And stood there, and I said, <laughs> I was upset. And I said, look, I said, you just show up like everything's fine, nothing's happened. Oh, so he wasn't, he wasn't angry. He didn't act angry. He didn't, he did, he, if he was, he didn't show it. Okay. I said, look, and, and the trouble that you have put us through and what you have done to your daughter is totally unreasonable. And, and she's really brokenhearted about all this. And, and I'm upset. And I said, I don't know if I ought to just whip your butt right now. <laughs> and, the, and, or, uh, you know, and I think, uh, and, and I was, I was ready to do it. I don't know that I could have. Well, but, and, he, and he, he, uh, he fought in the ward, right? Yeah. Okay. He kind of took the wind out of my sails. He said, well, he said, I, I can understand why you'd feel that way. Okay. He said, but you know, What's done is done. Okay. And uh, uh, so we just need to kind of move forward. And so that kind of took the wind out of my sails. I said, all right, all right. So we went back in and. He was reasonable, which is. <laughs> which is what he should have been all along. <laughs> right. Don't let your daughter date somebody two or three years and get engaged and then break it up. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want them to do this, don't let them date when they're. 14 years old <laughs> well one thing i've learned and you, you correct well yeah don't let them date when 14 years old that that that's one that's that's good advice um one thing that i've learned is it's really hard to tell your daughter who she should and should not date but you can plant some seeds without saying that this, this boy's a bad boy you can plant seeds and say is he the wise is he going to help you build you up because a lot of times, you know, you've had you've had a few children, you know, and I'm what number six of seven, and it uh, when it comes to raising kids, you 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 have to word things correctly, which will make them think, and if they, if you get them to think, then you, then honestly you got them. Well, maybe that's good advice. I uh, we had seven, and <clears throat> I kept looking for the book of instructions that. Was supposed to come with everything you get, and you got. 25. There was never any book of instructions with any of you guys, and 
We just had to kind of wing everything and do the best we could figure out how to do. Well, you got twenty five hundred books or so in this in this one room where we're sitting, and none of them tell you how to raise parent raise a kid. Some of them probably do. I know there's one book up there. To, uh, it's the uh, um, um, care and feeding of a husband. I, I tried to give that one to my wife earlier and and uh, told her I needed her to read it, but that didn't go over very well. There's one. <laughs> there's one called uh, "So You Want to Raise a Boy." By Cleon Scousen. Okay. It's a good book, but I didn't read it till the children are all grown. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we uh, worked out there, and Harley and Dorothy went back to Atlanta, and we worked there for a few weeks. I missed, we both missed our friends in Atlanta. And, but that's and, home. I mean, this yeah, is, we weren't home. Uh, it's a whole different culture in Phoenix, Arizona, than uh, it is in Atlanta, Georgia. It's the same thing. In, in, uh, we have trees in Atlanta, Georgia. Same thing where we are in Utah. I mean, it's a total different culture, different type of people. I mean, and I I like it, but I don't love it. If that makes sense. I mean, I can like most places I, I I've been in. Even when I was on my mission, I liked it. But I, you just don't love it. Yet, yet, and I we, like we we will eventually be back where we love. But right now, we gotta be where we like. Well, we decided we're gonna come go home. Okay. So saved up a little money. And uh, so, where was Rick born? Atlanta, Georgia. So Rick was born in Atlanta. So how long were you guys in uh, in Arizona? About eight weeks, I think. Okay, so it wasn't long. It's not so. So did you have a break a big lease or was what like how did they do rent back then? Oh, it was just week to week. Oh, week to week. Okay, so you you stayed there for make some money, got a place to stay. You had all the, your your amenities were covered, so you were fine. And then it's just a matter of a. Uh, packing your bag i'm trying to piece this together yeah, on yeah. It, obviously the world has changed since 1959 oh, yeah. That's so yeah. much you know I did. 2021 we didn't have gender changes <laughs> we didn't have that kind of stuff going I, on i i identify as an elephant because i'm a large guy so i mean i think that i think that's fitting i mean <laughs> no um, so you moved back, um, came back. It was fall and, uh, <clears throat> came back and, <clears throat> you know, the leaves were turning pretty colors on the trees and <clears throat> went over to this high school, I think, before we went back to my parents and, uh, it was between classes and my, my little brother, Alan was uh, walking down the hallway. He was glad to see us. He didn't expect to see us. My, my uncle Philip. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, uh, I know him as Philip. Uncle Philip. Yeah, Most he, people he, nowadays he goes by Alan now. Yeah, he goes by. So he didn't like his. Uh, he, he didn't like his name either. So, but he liked his middle name. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, if you, we can identify as what we want to identify these days, I guess you can you can choose what name you want to live by too, right? Yeah. Living by a different name is more acceptable these days. Oh, apparently. Alan's. I like Alan better than Philip myself. That's still his name, though. Yeah, it yeah. goes by his name. Yeah, it goes by his name. There's plenty of people use their middle name. Except your, except my grandfather, your dad, decided to get rid of the only decent name he had. <laughs> yeah, his name was Robert Tumlin Youngblood. And that's yeah. probably why my grandmother named her first son Robert, Robert Earlton Barber Youngblood. Her name was Rosa Barber. Rosa Barber, yeah. Well, and then I, name. I remember when we told you that we're going to name our son after you, 
And I remember you, you were you're a little bit upset about that. You're like, please don't do that. I, well, I was I, I was looking after him. I I didn't want the poor guy to have to go through what I've been through. <laughs> oh, you, your name's not bad. Your thing is, your name is a, is a name that's it's an old name. It really is. It's an aged name, is what it is. And even now, I mean, I never heard of another Earlton anywhere. Uh, no, you're right. My uh, experience. I was, I was when I was a little kid. I had red hair and freckles and got teased a lot because I had red hair and freckles. So hey, I was a shy kid, and same here. And when they said, "What's your name, son?" and I'd tell them, "They what?" and I'd say, "Earlton," and they say, "What?" <laughs> so you know that just made it worse. Not only was I ugly, I had an ugly name. So oh, I'm, I'm looking. I just did a quick Google search online for famous Earltons, and there are none. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd try, but yeah. So when we, but then we, when you, when you found out that we were not naming him directly about what uh, from you, I think, I think that put you at ease because you know, made me feel a lot better. Ethan is not Earlton and, and Briggs is not Bar, uh, Barbara. Briggs is a surname from some of your mom's right ancestors. Yeah. So we, we did, we did the initials. So we figured, it, I, which both Shannon and I have talked about, we're like, well, since it's our last child, we're going to name him after you. So he'll be EB. So he he is an EB. I mean, you, I know you go by your initials, but we yeah. can accept that. I, I figured that was an acceptable compromise. Good so, choice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so back in Georgia, things got back to, things got better. I mean, obviously around family, around friends. I got a job, but, uh, Kroger store where I had different Kroger store. I worked at, when I was in high school, I worked at a Kroger store for once. Got a nut job at another Kroger store, but wasn't really making very much money and ended up back at Kraft Foods Company somehow. They took you back. Yeah. So, would, well, I'll, I'll have you tell the story tomorrow or something like that, but um, is that where, was? did you have your, your accident at Kraft Foods before or after your, uh, Arizona? The the accident where I got burned? Yeah. Oh, that was after Arizona. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Let me think. No. I, I didn't go back to craft. I, I, I got that all wrong. Okay, so you actually had the accident before you went to... Uh, yeah. Before you were married. Yeah, I burned my leg. I, okay, you can, hot, you can go ahead and tell the story. Tell the story on that one. Hot water. Oh, well, my job was to clean a huge cheese cooker out. Okay. I had to sterilize it and scrub it, and it took four or five hours just on that one cooker, as I remember. And down at the end of it, there was a hopper that you dumped the, when the, they'd, heat, they'd cook the cheese, and then they would move this uh, lever, and it would open, it, open up the end of the cooker, and the cheese would come out and go down the hopper down to the next floor, down to the first floor. Right. And uh, pour onto a huge cylinder, and that's how they made sliced cheese. Okay, made exactly an eighth inch thick, you right, know. And right. So uh, we're cleaning it, and I, I have boots on, have gloves that come to my elbows, and all all the personal glove. protection that you should have, technically. Glove got hung on the handle there, and it yanked the thing open when I wasn't ready for it. Well, the th- it's not full of cheese; it's full of hot water at this point. Boiling the way water. we cleaned it and dumped that stuff out at me, and a bunch of it went down in my boot, burned the skin off my leg, had third degree burns. 
So, and they, <laughs> so they pulled the boot off and, uh, and your skin came with it, obviously. <sighs> yeah, it was a terrible experience for 18 year old boy. It hurt pretty bad. I would imagine. Uh, burns are the worst hurt. So how long was it from when that happened? Cause I know these are some things I'd actually didn't know it was before. I thought this was actually after you. Well, you've so, helped me get it back. I had forgotten it over long. long. Uh, you brought it back up. I hadn't really thought about this for 30 or 40 years. But the, well, I mean, you're what eight? You'll be 81 years old this year, right? 19. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah. So 1940 to 2001. That's 81 years old. 2021. 21. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. 2021. Sorry. And so that's 81 years old. So, I, so I, I and I didn't know that that, that was before. You and mom got married. I thought I actually thought you that happened to you afterwards. That was a little fuzzy in my mind, but it had to have happened before we got married. Because when you came back, you did you uh, went to uh, um, you worked at Kroger, yeah, and stuff like that. And then how long from then till you went to go work for the the uh, telephone company? It was Southern Bell. I started the telephone company in May of nineteen sixty. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Bishop Putnam was a telephone employee. He got me my job. My bishop got me my job with Southern Bell. So you guys were married in 1959, so about a year later, roughly. Nine months later. Okay, nine months later. So you were back in Georgia working there, and then you, you moved up to the yeah. telephone company. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. See, that, that that's history that I did not know. I, <laughs> I, I just heard the stories. I didn't know how they pieced together. And so you you were with the telephone company for till how long? The eighties. Twenty two years. So that would have been eighty uh, two. Uh, uh, yeah, about around nineteen eighty two. Okay. I think so. Okay. And then uh, the telephone company was downsizing, so uh, they wanted to have fewer people working there. They went around and asked for volunteers to quit, and they'd give you a year's pay if you quit. Right. So I, I had had some jobs I really liked with Southern Bell, but a couple of my jobs were done away with, and they put me on a job that I didn't really right. like as well, and I ended up with a job I hated. <laughs> yeah, I, so so I, I understand that. When they asked for volunteers to leave for a year's pay, I said, where do I sign? I mean, years, you say getting, you know, that, I mean, why wouldn't you? A year's pay, and of course, nowadays you'd have people uh, get a year's pay and they wouldn't do anything. They just like, you know, they'd, they'd move, they'd play for a year. But you that's when you took time to, what, build a house and then start a company technically? I don't remember. I don't know. Because <laughs> so I, I grew up in the, the construction business. We had a construction business, but my older siblings had a, uh, there was, you had a, a, a janitorial business. Yeah, yeah, and I always um, had something. You know, it took a lot of money to raise seven kids, and yeah. I always had something on the side going. I'd work full time job and have something part time on the uh, side. That, that's well, that's basically us. I mean, like right now, I'm, I, I, we're, we're, we do the podcasting thing. We make a little money off that, and then I also have another job which I get paid for that, and then I do my little side hobby, and that I, I'll go to like a, um, and to a Walmart and Target, and I'll buy sports cards. You know, like baseball cards, but I'll buy like football cards because they're worth more, and I'll resell those. I just sold one uh, um, the other day for two hundred and fifty dollars. Now, the, maybe I need to look into that. Huh? <laughs> I can show you what to do, but like literally, the pack cost me the, the pack cost me twenty dollars, 
So a $20 investment. And I sold one out of that pack for 250. And then I've got like five others that I'm, that I've sold out of that same pack between like 50 to 30, a couple over five. I mean, the pack paid for itself, obviously. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, when you got, when you, I've got five kids I and mean, of course one's in college and we don't have to do a whole lot for her. We help her out with some stuff for college, things like that, but she's pretty much doing her, doing it all herself. I mean, we, we don't make enough money to pay for her college. I know it's probably getting late. Um, is it really, is it eight, only eight twenty five? What time is it right now? Uh, six minutes till nine. Oh, so it's only nine. Wow. Shannon went to bed early. You, you she's tired. Yeah. Usually she's on these podcasts with me too, but, uh, but not tonight, but, but yeah. So yeah. Raising kids is expensive. Very expensive. Well, I'll, we'll, we'll, so I'll, what I'll do, I'll get a, we'll do a part two to this and I'll have you tell some more stories of, of even starting a business or whatever. We can I'm talk about it. I'm not tired. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I'll keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so let's, let's get work for a phone company. Okay, so what, what what there was a there's a story that I remember um, at the phone company that uh, you I guess you fell asleep. That's a good story. You can tell that story, Dad. Come on. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, we've all fallen asleep at the job. Well, I was on night shift, <laughs> as my dad reluctantly tells the, the story. Exchange. Oh, I was a. I was a. <clears throat> Freeman, I think. <clears throat> and uh, this was at central office in Rome, Georgia. And uh, <coughs> uh, on the 11 to 7 shift, boy, around 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, sometimes you just could, your body just wanted to go to sleep so bad it hurt. And I just needed to lay down just for a minute. Anyway, I climbed up a ladder on the frame there, and I climbed over and on the shift and laid down on the wires. Right. Insulated wires, no danger. And uh, Low voltage anyway. So I was really going to lay there just for a minute and rest, just for a minute and rest. And I went to sleep. Well, if the boss had come in, I, I, there would have been repercussions. Right. You're not supposed to go to sleep on the job. Right. Well, I fell asleep, and I dreamed that, all the framen came in, flipped on the lights, and there I was up there and couldn't get out without being caught. It was very frightening. And so it wasn't real, though. It was a dream. <laughs> and uh, But it did wake me up, and I did climb back down. And But I had prints of wires all over my face. <laughs> yeah, the lines in your face. <laughs> oh, EB, what you been doing? <laughs> yeah. Duh. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when, when you're when you're raising five, seven kids at the time, um, well, no, well, so yeah, so so when you're raising when you have seven kids, it's really expensive. It's tough. I mean, I I've got teenagers right now, and let me tell you, my biggest uh, one of my biggest bills every month is just groceries in general. Groceries cost me a fortune. Teenagers eat a lot. That's one reason I'm pushing Jacob to get off on a mission because it'll be cheaper to keep him on a mission than to pay for his food. That's what Mark Hopkins told me. It's true. Says actually, you can send them a cheaper and you keep a home and feed, keep them home and feed them. That's true. I mean, because thing is, it's, I, it's not that. Well, no. So the between you figured it figured out between taking them places. 
Because yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have a car. And then buying them clothes, feeding them, all that stuff added up. I guarantee you for a mission for ten grand, it costs ten thousand dollars to go on a mission for two years. That's five thousand dollars a year. Five thousand divided by twelve, what is that? I don't six hundred dollars a month. Six hundred dollars a month. Not quite. Oh, but even at six hundred dollars a month, all five, of that five hundred dollars a month. My water bill will drop. My uh, power bill will drop. I I will actually save money. Four hundred something dollars a month. Okay. Uh, but and but, but that's not all. It's, but, it's, they still need something while they're out. And oh, yes. I I know that. But the thing is, but but, but the thing that what's really cool is the experiences he's, he's going to have, and that's worth every penny. Right, priceless. There. It is. So I mean, I, I would, it, I I would do, I would have done it again, for sure. Well, yeah, all six of our boys served two year missions. Yeah, so we got what Rick went to uh, Japan, um, Je- uh, Jeff went to uh, France, Paris, France, uh, Patrick, uh, Peru, Peru, and Texas. Yeah, because he got sick and uh, he had to, he had to come home uh, for a little bit back to the, back to Salt Lake till they right. got him better. Right. Your uncle, your your brother actually helped get him better too. Yeah. Um, then uh, Ryan went to the Canary Islands, uh-huh. and the, I, Jason and I are the only ones that actually went foreign. I went to Florida, and he went to Utah. And two, he, two foreign countries, and he, he went to Utah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I I sit back and I, I think about, yeah, he did, he does this. He'll sit there. I, yeah, I think he he likes to doing podcast stuff yeah he's he's depressed he wants to be in the podcast <laughs> good i'm glad you don't have depression <laughs> you want to ask granddaddy any questions yeah come ask that granddaddy some questions okay okay go for it no you, you just listen right here fine um what kind of questions you got for him he knows a lot of things. He's really smart. What's your full name? Okay, what's your full name? Go for it. A full name. Can we pass on that? Yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Ethan Briggs Youngblood. <laughs> That's my name. <laughs> oh, oh, I got it mixed up, didn't I? <laughs> he, what? Um, what kind of questions do you think you got? What, what's something that, that an 80-year-old 80, 80 man... Knows that you don't know that you really want to know. Um, how do you build a um a, um a campfire? <laughs> how do you build a campfire? Yeah. How do you build a campfire? Granddaddy knows. You gotta all have some. You gotta have some dry kindling. So Aunt Granddaddy knows all about making fires. We should we should get Grandmama in on this conversation. Okay. Be, <laughs> not, be nice. Be nice. <laughs> My my dad knows how to burn property and get it perfectly clear. And because what happens when you burn some property, the the that that the the burnt stuff actually make makes it where you get nice good green uh, grass coming back the following year. That's, or that means there's a lot of ash that's on the ground. <laughs> that's what that means. I'm not. You're not the only. I have a brother that that uh, lights fires too. Um. Be nice. I think you should add a secret room right there. Like you, you pull a book out and then it slides do, open. Do you, do you like this house? Do you like Granddaddy's house? Yeah. He's done a really good job at this house, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so what, out, out of all, all of us kids, um, what would, would you say that would be the hard, the hardest thing that you had to do when it comes to raising us? Cause you, you, you got seven different, seven different personalities. You got seven different types of people. I mean, honestly you do. Um, you got some of us that are, they're close together when it comes to our personalities and you have some that some of us that are like polar opposites. You know, I don't know what would, what, but would be, uh, the most difficult part of raising, uh, children, probably when they get to be teenagers, I ca- they kind of, uh, get a little uppity sometimes and you have to deal with attitudes. I've dealt but, with that, but, uh. That's probably the most difficult part, and you love your children, you know, and you you hate there's uh, contention, but it happens. It does. So that's probably the most difficult. I, had, I, uh, the only one I ever had to get out of jail is an FBI agent now. Which one? <laughs> We're not going to say name names. Don't name names. <laughs> we don't name those names. Wait, one of my uncles went to jail. It wasn't like prison. He went. To, oh. yeah. <laughs> that's that's a fun story. Yeah. Actually, like, he, he got in trouble because of what the the tires were bald. Oh, silly! Uh, Rome City policeman pulls him over and and uh, said he was speeding, and uh, he said he saw the policeman behind the behind the sign. It was a Hardy Realty Company sign on Highway Twenty Seven North of Rome, Georgia. No, in Rome, Georgia. And he said he wasn't speeding, and he went by, and the policeman pulls out, pulls him over, and uh, treats him like a little kid, and he's not a little kid. He's 21 years old, and uh, he challenged the policeman on a couple of things he said. Because the policeman was not being truthful, for one. Yeah, and and the cop didn't like it. Right, so, integrity issue. So he's cuffed him, put him in the back of the patrol car, and looked his his car over carefully and wrote him up for improper tires because the rear tires didn't have enough tread on them. Right, and uh, that's all he all he could write up. He didn't find any. Of course, he didn't find any drugs in the car or anything. No no laws broken. And uh, we took him to jail. And uh, so he called me. He said, Dad, I, 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 thought I'd, I never thought I'd be making this phone call. I'm in jail. I need you to come get me out of jail. I said, in jail? What are you in jail? He said, that's a long story. I'll tell you when you come. Could you please come get me out of jail? I said, sure, Well, So I went over and got him out of jail. He wasn't in, they didn't put him in a cell. They still had him. In booking area, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he went to court on it, and the judge threw it all out. Yeah. But uh, that, that that cop ended up uh, getting uh, fired eventually. It took a while, but he ended up getting fired. If I no, that was another incident. Oh, that was the other incident. Okay. Uh, another cop, another incident. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, ended up becoming a policeman himself. Yeah. And he was a policeman in Atlanta for three years, and yeah. then... 2001, when the Towers. Arabs bombed the buildings in, in uh, New York. Yeah. That's the FBI, the Congress. They hired a bunch more. Uh, authorized the FBI to hire, to hire 900 new agents. Yeah, he was he one. applied, and they hired him, hired him 
to uh, to be an FBI agent. So yeah. that he's an FBI agent now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, you, you got the two. other story yeah. was uh, he took his it was prom night and he took his girlfriend home. It was wasn't even midnight. It was like eleven o'clock at night, and he's coming down Shorter Avenue, and he sees a police car coming toward him from the opposite direction. And he looks over at the police officer when he goes by. And the policeman's looking at him. He's looking at the policeman. The policeman's looking at him. And they pass each other. And it looks in his mirror. The police car turns around and falls in behind him. Right. He turns down on Horse Lake Creek Road and goes about 150 feet and stops because he's, I think that police officer might be wanting me to stop. Police officer comes up behind him with a lights on. Right. <laughs> uh, comes up to the door. Says, uh, uh, let's see your driver's license. And so he gets his driver's license out and he says, Sir, may I ask you why you're stopping me? And he said, You're speeding, you little smart aleck. Right. Get out of the car. And so he gets out of the car and the guy just cussed him out, really, <laughs> and uh, gives him a ticket for speeding. And uh, he comes home just real shook up, real upset because of what happened. And right, so I said, "Well, go go to bed, and we'll talk about it some more tomorrow. And so maybe we can figure out how to resolve all this." Well, I, I uh, was in the construction business, and I was buying some paint at Bar's uh, decorating company right. on Maple Avenue the next morning, and. Uh, Robert Byers owned the company, and Robert was a policeman. He worked in the nine one one office. He was he was a nine one one person. When you right. call in, he yeah. answers. Dispatcher, yeah. So I told him what happened. He said, "Do you know the officer's name?" And I told him. He said, "Oh yeah." So he loves to intimidate the kids. He just loves to pull over teenagers and harass them. Okay. Said, well, that's interesting. It's very unfortunate for. <laughs> and. uh so we went to the police department and told him we found out you could have a grievance meeting. You could actually call a meeting on a police officer and tell him you got your complaints. Right. So we set ours up. Big mistake. And uh, we well, went to the little meeting. and Because uh, that makes the police officers look bad. They don't like that. And they defended. He was there. And, of course, his bosses were. And they just defended him like he's the greatest police officer they'd ever had in Rome, Georgia in 100 years. Which they they. Do because they don't ever they they, it, they don't want to acknowledge a bad police officer or so because if they they'll take care if there is a bad police officer they take care of it privately they don't want to do it publicly because that puts a it, it, it helps him save face which is a bad way to do it anyway I mean honestly if you got a bad cop get him out I mean I think that's happening nowadays but yeah before we had this little meeting I went to the Rome News Tribune and rented a half a page ad and the, and I put. And they had us that if you or anyone you know has had problems with the police, the local police department, please call this number. And I put my telephone number on. The day that ad came out in the paper, my phone rang continuously. Wow. Everybody was mad at the police department in well, the whole city, I think. Anyway, right. a lot of them were just no, uh, normal. They didn't have good reasons to be mad. Right. They were in the wrong. Right. But some of them were right. Well, I mean, one the, of them called me. 
was an electrician that I had done business with. Okay. And he's had an interesting story to tell me. Okay. Same police officer. Same police officer. Okay. Said he pulled, he drank a lot. Right. I knew a lot of people that drank a lot. Right. Apparently. So well, uh, he I, said, I, I, he I, said, he got pulled me over in my pickup truck and he said, I'd been drinking. Said he put me in the back of the patrol car and he said he went over my truck and then said he was going to take me to jail. And he said, look, officer, in my wallet, I've got a $100 bill. I just can't afford any more problems. If you'll just let me out of this car and let me go home, and I promise I'll go straight home, you can have that $100 bill. Said so the policeman stood there for a few seconds. He said, all right. And he got me out of the car. He took, I gave him the $100 he bribe. He took the bribe, which is illegal. Big time. But accepting the bribe is just as bad. Both right. side, both of them are illegal. You, you're not supposed to bribe a police officer, and they're sure as heck ain't supposed to take the money. Well, you get fired immediately for yeah. taking bribes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think taking the taking the bribe is worse than offering the bribe. Offering the bribe, well, okay, whatever, right? But you took the bribe. That may, means you're the bad guy. So, uh, I had this information when I went to the little meeting with them. Oh, they no. praised him and praised him. Then I told them about that. Well, you could see their mouths fall open, and but they still said, "Well, we'll deal with that. We'll take care of that." Right. So, see, I'm like you. I don't like injustice. I, I it bothers me really bad when there's injustice. Oh, two or three weeks go by, and uh, I'm down behind paint at Byers decorating in. Robert Byers says, "Oh, did you hear about your boy?" Uh, I said, "What boy?" I, he said, "The policeman." That you uh, filed a grievance on. They fired him. <laughs> really? What'd they fire him? He said, well, apparently when you had your little meeting, they started watching him. He said, uh, one night he took the patrol car, went on Barry College property. That's right. Had his uh, deer rifle in the trunk, shot him a deer, put the deer in the trunk of the patrol car, and took it home. And, and so the, the people, that, if they don't know... You're not, I mean, the college is in town, essentially. It's it's a large campus. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus. 25,000 acres. And they have more, I think it's like a, a 10 to 1 ratio deer to students. At least it was when I was a teenager. It's like a 10 to 1 ratio. The, and the deer on that on that campus don't get hunted. They're gentle. They're they're tame almost. Yeah, I mean, they, they walk around the whole campus. It's, it's literally a safe zone. for. There is no hunting on the campus, so they know they can be there, and there's, there's never, ever going to be. That's right. I mean, I, I don't know, driving by, driving by the campus, well, you know, as, even as a kid, um, coming from when we lived in Menlo, we would drive uh, into Rome, and, and that was like part of the part of the, uh, the, the, the fun part is being a kid, looking out the window and seeing how many deer we could see. It was either watching to see how many deer we could see or see how high the water had flooded that those fields that are over in the, that, that side of Barry. So, yeah, I remember that quite often. That's pretty cool. So he, he, he shot him a deer, and he got, got himself fired for killing a deer. Well, he was on company time. He was on, he was on duty. He was, getting, he was working and hunting at the same time. He had, he had his best in, he had the, the city's best interest in 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 uh, in, in heart. You know? He was a crook and a liar and a, and a teenager harasser and who knows what else. He probably thing is he got fired for something very little. The, the fact that he took a bribe means that he would probably done other things that were worse. That's why they started watching him. 
Yeah. Because of my story about his bribe, which was true. Well, and the, 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 the electrician would have had no reason to lie about that. And and uh, so they started watching him. They realized they're going to have to get rid of him. Right. So they started watching him and found out something they could pin on him. And the deer incident was what they got him for. Obviously, it's very dishonest to do well, that on, yeah, on when I, you're supposed to be on duty. Well, the fact that he would shoot a deer while working. It obviously it's a fireable offense because he's on duty, but and you're not supposed they, to shoot deer they, where that, he shot the deer. They gave that gave them a quick reason to get rid of him because of the problem. They knew that there was other things. Yeah. If, so if, he was out. He was no longer a policeman. If he would do it for a hundred bucks, hundred bucks is not a lot of money nowadays. Hundred bucks would uh, even in the eighties. I mean, that was I, I'm assuming that was probably in the eighties. Um, even in the eighties, a hundred dollars was not a ton of money. Think about it. Well, that was a uh, hundred dollars is definitely not worth pretty it. good for for not having. You know, oh yeah, those guys won't go arrest you. Well, you figure for it, speed uh, for for drunk driving, and you and he offers you hundred bucks. Prob- probably yeah. probably at that time, a cop made maybe what twenty five thousand a year. Probably back in the eighties, average average uh, income for a police officer. Eighties. That's about probably about right. I mean, I'll look it up and see what the. That's what I. That's what I made when I left the telephone company. Twenty five. And I left in eighty two. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what it says. The eighties. So police officer pay scale. Uh, nineteen eighty three. Okay, statistics. Um, newspaper article. Nineteen eighty seven. You're looking at average. Okay, here we go. Uh, total sworn officers. Total <laughs> population per capita. Yeah, it's about so three. Oh, what's that? Yeah, about twenty five thousand dollars. That that's a that's a max pay, back in the back in like eighty seven. So that's not that's that's about a day's pay for him then. Yeah, so he doubled his wages that day. Yeah, and how many how many people would offer that? So he probably was doubling his pay several times. It's possible. There was an obviously an in- integrity issue going on at the, at, with with him. He, he 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 not his his integrity level is obviously very very low. Obviously, <laughs> I, I can't even remember his name. I don't remember. I, I just know the story. I can't remember his name either. But anyway, I got I got I got, I got him fired. So and that was good because we don't need dishonest cops. I, I have great respect for police officers, but same. A, a a dishonest one i have no respect for well i mean the thing is it, your job is to help people that's your job as a police officer and my i have two brothers obviously two brothers they're, they're both they were both police officers um with that being said your job and it's a stressful job especially domestic stuff dangerous it is that domestic is more dangerous than anything else i mean they, you can handle pulling someone over whether they have drugs or they have guns or whatever in their car 
if it's illegal or whatever, they can handle that easier than domestic. Because domestic is he's beating me or he, he's beating yeah, me. Yeah, there's anger, and an angry person is more likely to do something irrational, yep. like well, shoot, shoot a shoot at a policeman, which is really dumb. Well, the fact that you know people, um, she she may have called if if a woman calls the cops and says that her husband's beating her, the cops come out somebody's going to jail. But then all of a sudden she decides, no, I don't want him to go into jail. She flips the narrative, which causes the police officers to handle the situation in whatever situation, the way it's going to go. Then you have the man sees that the cops are harassing the woman, which makes him mad. Well, it's good because you know, I've, I, they say that the chivalry's dead and you know, they talk but nowadays, you know, men can't be men, women, you know, women uh, don't want men to be more masculine anymore, which is a, a thing. We, you know, it's it's kind of like people, men want to protect women. And the reason is, and this is the best way I've ever heard it said, the reason men want to protect women is not because women can't protect themselves. I want to protect my wife. I want to protect my family. And the reason is, is because I know Shannon can very well can protect herself. I've seen her do damage to people probably more than I would have done. But in turn, I would protect her because I love her. Not because she can't do it. Just because I feel like I, I want to do it. Of course. That's the difference. I think that's what I think the issue with, with our world uh, to, today is the fact that men, men need to be men. Women need to be women. And they need to protect each other. If somebody was to hurt me, my wife was going to take them down. It's going to happen. Don't mess with her. I, I, I know for a fact that my uh, my wife, uh, her mother had a boyfriend. And the boyfriend would hit her. And I had words with him once before. But um, but before, this was before I even knew, uh, knew uh, Shannon. And uh, Shannon goes in. Her mom's crying, you know, got, you know, tears, eyes are bruised. And because he'd been slapping, he slapped her. Um, Shannon goes up to him and says, you're going to hit somebody. You better hit me. And he says, what are you going to do about it? She says, I'll break your nose. I'll drop you to the ground. And I think, and she, I think from my, from my understanding from the story, and I've heard this from different people who, who were there. Um, even he told me the story too. So I, and uh, she he said she says if you don't stop I will kill you so yeah well I mean yeah that's it's it was pretty bad situation you don't hit a woman no matter what I mean I don't care who you are you never hit a woman but so he he looks at Shannon and says fine you want to hit me I'll give you a free shot so he gave her a free shot so this guy's six three six four Shannon's five seven. She rears back, she balls up her fist, and she breaks his nose. Blood's going everywhere. It's gushing. It's bad. He drops to the ground. He turns around, calls the cops. He calls the he called the cops. They come out. They put her in cuffs. So my wife's in cuffs. Well, not she wasn't my wife at the time, but it might, she's Shannon's in cuffs, and because they have to they have to cool the situation. So every no matter what in that situation, everybody gets in cuffs. That's just uh-huh. that, that, you know, because they don't know. They have to find out what the problem is. Yeah, they have to handle it. Uh-huh. So she's in cuffs. She tells the cop that he told me to do it because of this. Why? He says, yeah, I told her to do it. I didn't think she would. The cops go over to Shannon, take the cuffs off of her hand, high fives her and drag his butt to jail. 
So he goes to jail. Where was this? This was in Florida, Gainesville, Florida. Oh, no, West Palm Beach, Florida. Very smart cop. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I respect cops. I mean, really, they they, they have a hard job and, and to deal with all Very this stuff. Very difficult. Very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I don't mess with my wife. I think. <laughs> I wouldn't hit her either. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but that's, uh, yeah. It's, it's the it's the little things. I think that's one thing we've we've forgotten in this country. We we, we try to. I'm going to talk a little bit of politics now, but I mean, we we try to solve. We we try to make everybody vanilla. Everything's going to be vanilla, or if they let's call it chocolate or strawberry. Everybody we the, they try to make everything one flavor all the way across the board because that's good for everybody. Well, crap! I don't really like vanilla. I like chocolate sometimes. I like strawberry sometimes. We have problems in our country, a lot of problems. I think the biggest problem is we have too many Democrats. Well, so, it, I, no, I, I'd say I disagree. I, I know where you're going. You're baiting a little bit here. But it, I don't think it's Dem- – so our current modern-day Democrat, um, most of them actually identify in, in many cases. They're, they're, they're closer to back in, what, the 60s and 70s, I guess it was, or even late 80s. When, like in Hollywood, they actually went after um, socialists. They went after uh, – all these people that would that were the, that were against the Constitution. Yeah, it's flipped over. I, when I was a kid, the Democratic Party was considered the party of the working man, and the Republican Party was considered the party of the rich man. But that was back in the 1940s and 1950s. You know, well, uh, FDR was a Democrat that was elected four times as President of the United States, and uh, he was a hero. The the thing is though I think with politics nowadays I I think so they they push the narrative of that we have two parties and we're a two party system you got to choose one or the other there is no in between the problem hold on the the problem is is most people even I I don't I'm not a I'm not a, a Republican I'm not a Democrat sure as heck ain't no Democrat and I, but when I vote I don't vote based off a of color or symbol. I vote off of who has the better morals, who has the who who, I, who connects with me better as far as politically. Yeah, I vote for the man rather than the party too. I you, think most people do, and I think that's what, that's what, the problem where where even I think if a person was going to run for president or run for Congress or run for any any political office, the you you do unfortunately you they want you to be tied to a party because you get that party's funding funding. It's all about money. And I think that it, the problem with that is it's it's dangerous because you're tying yourself to those parties because then they want you to um, decide with them on things. So I I, I listened to a a, a podcast uh, I think it was Joe Rogan I can't remember the the senator what, what her name was it was a female senator she uh, at the time she's no no longer in office but um and she was she's a, a Democrat and I'll say it what she was saying if she actually t- believe what she said i would vote for her because she just believed in in doing the right thing for people i mean your job as a as a uh, as a politician is to be there for the people and do what do what your constituents ask you to do that's what makes our our country great we we can uh, fight battles by with words and solve problems with words versus having to fight but yet we have what we do we do go into a lot of war too, but the, the but what she did, what she did was um, she she said 
because the way she went into it, she had to, she sided with the, the Democrats. She, she went in as a Democrat, but she didn't believe what the Democrats believed. And, um, she also said, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan's podcast. I can't remember, but she also said that, that there came a time that, um, Nancy Pelosi came to her and said, I need you to vote for the party. No matter what you're going, you need to be side with us. And she said that 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 was the turning point when she said, "I'm I'm out of this. I don't want to be part of politics anymore." Because if I'm being told to do what's right for the party over what's right for people, that's where there's an issue. I think most people in our country pretty much feel the same way when it comes to politics. They don't really want to vote for Democrat or vote for Republican. They want to do what's right for people. It's kind of like people universal health care. The reality is, how do you pay for it? It sounds good. But on the other side, other some there are some countries that do have universal health care. It's not the greatest health care, but it is health care. But on the other side, it comes down to if, if someone could put together a really good plan, I would probably go along with it if, if you could figure out how to fund it. Now, I'm a believer. Let's do universal health care, but let's have corporations pay for it. So how do you do that? You go work for it. Oh, no. I know you're rolling your eyes, but, but the reality is that to do that, you'd have to have oh, we have to work for this company. And to have the company, like my company is owned by Ford Motor Company, the company I work for, and they offer health care. Now, I pay for, they actually pay for 75% of my, my health insurance. So, honestly, you want universal health care, guess what? Go get a job. So, they do take a portion of, of my health care out of my paycheck, but they're paying 75%. Guess what? They're, that's not a bad plan. The only thing it takes is people having to work. you got to do something. There's a trade. So if you want free health care like they keep pushing in our, in politics, well, there's going to be something that has to come from it. Oh, so got to pay, somebody got to pay for that free stuff. Right. Well, it's like, the, it's like this last stimulus check that went out, right? Everybody got the stimulus check. And I'm not, I took the money. People are like, well, you're going to take the money? Well, yeah, I, I took the money. It was there. Actually, I, did, I didn't get a choice to take the money. They just put it in my bank account. It was not like they asked me, would you like this money? It was already in the account, right? The rea- my problem with that is majority of the people that got those checks didn't really need the money. They were figuring it out. With this whole COVID thing, yes, it, it put people behind. People lost jobs and things like that. But the reality is people were figuring it out. Because people don't want to starve. People got to have a house over their head. The government made it where some people don't even have to pay rent. So if if I was running for office, I wouldn't give anybody a, a, a stimulus check. Now that just this that's the basically said I, I'm not set suit for politics because I just lost all my. Well, voters. you just wouldn't get reelected. I wouldn't get I wouldn't get elected <laughs> at all. But the reason with the with the with the stimulus check though, the reality is when it comes to that. Um, I would make it where if you need it, then let's set it up in the system saying, come to us and we'll figure out how much you need. So then you base it off of what people's needs are. Yeah. So then, then, and honestly, we have a, we have a, a welfare system in our country. So if you lost your job because of COVID or any other pandemic coming in the future or whatever happens, then instead of just giving the money out, go apply. Yeah. And then, that you know, honestly, but, and, but by doing that, you have to, which, you know, the government can't fix anything right. Um, but uh, you they have, fix things like a five year old with a hammer. Well, what's funny is no joke. Yeah, exactly. 
what's funny is I've, I've seen so many clips of, of, uh, our president and our vice president saying, uh, we're here. We're we we have just been elected. We are here. We are here to help you. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, what did he say about that? He said, uh, "Government can't solve the problems. Government is the problem." Yep. He, he said. Also said that. He said. Also said the um, most terrifying words you'd ever hear is, "Hi, we're from the government. We're here to help you." Hellbell, yeah, that's a nightmare. Be careful. It gets to get it socked to you right now, boy. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, people obviously uh, know where I stand politically. My my politics are not like most politics. I, I there are some social, if you if I can use that word term, very I'll use it lo- very loosely. There are some social style um, pol- uh, policies that I can get behind. But it comes with exceptions. Anyway. Well, here we go. So this is my dad, guys. This is uh, Mr. E.B. Youngblood Jr. This is uh, his two cents for for an hour and a half. Well, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Dad. I appreciate you. Thank you for letting me invade your house for a week with uh, my no family. Problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so, anyway. We'll run out of food. You'll just have to go home. <laughs> we'll buy, we will definitely replenish your your pantry before we leave. <laughs> I know you're saying no. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Dad. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. <laughs>